All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey guys, I hope you're having a great summer. It is Pinder. Man, this is the best time of year because, you know, we're, we've all saved our vacation. Maybe you got a lake you go to. Maybe it's just the, the back deck with a cold beer on a hot summer day. Barbecues going. Bike rides. Floating the river. Whatever you're doing, it's summer, man. Hope you're having a great time. What we've been doing this summer is pretending to work when really we're just playing a lot of long-form conversations that have been fantastic. And we are sneaking off to get a little vacation. So I hope you're doing the same. Hope you're on the road trip listening to the pod and some of the long-form stuff. Our gear was sensational. Really enjoyed Matt Stajan. And today, I sit down with former Flame, Curtis Glencross. Glenny! All right. This will be fun. We're doing it live, as always, from the Tower Studios here in Marta Loop. And check this out. Event coming up at Tower. It is the Roar and Explore. There's going to be food trucks, prizes, raffles. Here's the deal. Bring down your Dodge, your Ram, your Chrysler, your Jeep. You can register it for 20 bucks. There's prizes for the best in show. Also, all kinds of other things to be won. And it's all in support of brown bagging for kids here in Calgary. Great cause. Uh, check the Tower social media stream for more information. There's a QR code. You can register to be there. Check it out. It's a Roar and Explore at Tower Chrysler near the end of the month, down at Tower Chrysler, basically right by Anderson Station on McLeod Trail South. Now, here it is, part one with former Flame and still Calgarian, Curtis Glencross. 
It's summer. Welcome back to a special edition of Barn Burner. We've enjoyed some of the uh, the warmer months. It's time to catch up with some old pals from the Calgary Flames, some uh, members of the community, some alumni, and a chance to go down uh, you know, a little storytelling with, with some of our favorite former Flames. Uh, today, Curtis Glencross, as we sit down here near the tail end of July. This will probably run in August. How's your summer been? It's been great so far, yeah. Can't complain. It's uh Kids are out of school now, so we're getting a little bit of time, uh, you know, enjoying some summertime. But for the most part, it's uh, been pretty busy. It's uh, you think when uh, summertime comes around and kids are off school and hockey season's done, that uh, that uh, you have more time on your hands. But there's never a dull moment at our place. Yeah, no, I hear you, and we'll, we'll get to the family uh, coming up because I know that's a big part of uh, you know what makes you tick in your day to day. You got five kids, which is incredible, and uh, my kids are camp this week. You got vacation. It feels like, oh, well, can't wait till summer vacation. And then it gets here. You're like, oh my God, we need these kids back in school. Yeah, let's get back to school. <laughs> uh, I want to take back to when you would have been going to school and back to your early days. You're born in Kindersley, Saskatchewan, if I'm correct. Uh, raised in Alberta. Take us back to the Glencross home growing up and what your early life was like and how much maybe hockey was a part of it as a youngster. Well, you know, yeah, like you said, uh, born in Kinder, Saskatchewan. Um, we bounced around a little bit as young when I was younger. My dad's in the cattle business back in Saskatchewan, so we uh, he he went from auction market to auction market, bounced around. But we spent seven years in Kindersley, and then uh, kind of went to Lloydminster for a year. Then we're up in Morinville for a year, area for a year, and then uh, ended up uh, in Provost, where you know that's kind of where I where I call my hometown for the most part. Uh, spent most of my time there. Most of my friends, family um you know we're around that area kind of thing so it was something i graduated there and uh so provost has kind of been my place where i call home and and uh um yeah it's kind of been my spot that i i refer to what's it like what, if someone's not been to provost how do you describe it because i'm sure there's lots of smaller towns in alberta that are similar but there's also things that would make it uniquely provost right you know what it's uh it's a great small town i love i love it um i think there's something to say something to say about growing up in a small town it's you know um you know, my graduating class was 32 people and that was our, uh, we we're the biggest class graduating class in years that came out of Provo. So it's, uh, but you know, I still have a lot of my, a lot of my childhood buddies, um, that I still live in back in Provost area and, and I wouldn't change it. Like in the summer times we played hockey in the winter, summertime we were at the golf course and you know, it's a good baseball community as well. I played baseball for a little bit, but pretty much grew up between, uh, you know, the hockey rink and, and, uh, hockey rink, uh, golf course and, working for my old man at the auction market, running alleys, chasing cattle. It was kind of my life. And, and, uh, you know, we, one thing cool about playing, you know, playing in a small town hockey wasn't as serious. I played all my minor hockey, like, uh, you know, midget C, Bantam C went and tried out in double A in Wainwright for one year, beginning of Bantam and, and never made the team and ended up coming home and just wanted to play with my buddies and have fun. So we'd go snowmobiling all day during the day, go play a hockey game at night or whatever. And didn't really matter. Right. And, uh, it's something that, you know, definitely wasn't the route that most guys took, but something that, uh, I definitely cherish and got to play growing up hockey with all my best buddies in my, in my small town. So kind of a cool, it's funny. I was, I was chatting with uh, Kami the other day and he was the same. He was like, yeah, I didn't think that, you know, hockey was just being with my buddies and he was in Fort Saskatchewan. He, you know, he was bigger. So there was some interest around him, but he was never a refined enough product where he ever thought he could be a pro hockey. But he said it was his second year at university when he realized like, Oh shoot, like, I'm on the central scouting list. I'm going to get drafted. Like what? Uh, and for you, midget C, that is not a place that I would suggest many pro athletes in any sport end up. Uh, you apparently were like a cruel trick that mother nature played, not just on me, but you as well. We were the late bloomers. You and I same club here. Yeah, exact same. No, it was, it was <laughs> sweet. So midget C, like I, you know, 
when I went from, you know, just playing midgets with my buddies and we we're actually at a um, league finals and we we're playing against another, another um, small town, Coronation, Alberta in our league finals are my second year midget. And a guy by the name of Barry Brigley um, started um, doing some scouting for the Brooks Bandits. It was on their, their expansion team in Brooks. And, and he approached me after a game after our league finals and asked if I'd be interested in going to a, to junior A camp. And I never really thought much of it. I, I went to a, had a couple options after that kind of happened mm-hmm. um, where I got the invite for that. I had a couple more um, invites um, to go to Cameras, Kodiak's camp and another one, but I went to Brooks and, and uh, it was a expansion team. So I figured it'd be a great opportunity. Um, you know, for me, it wasn't an established team. So like I said, that opportunity was there for me that I could, you know, get the ice time hopefully. And, and uh, you know, just develop as a player. Like when you, when you grow up in a small town, it's just mainly parent coaches and that kind of thing. Sure. It's, you, it's kind of free flowing. Like you're, there's not much to it really. And didn't really have, you know, I had a couple of good coaches that taught me a lot along the, in minor hockey. Um, but for the most part, when I got to juniors was really the first time that I really had like a real experienced coach that, that wasn't a parent. Um, and, you know, I think that was, that was, a, that was a change for me, which was, you know, a great change. And, you know, for me to get away and, and go and you know, live with a billet and get away from home and just trying to figure it out on my own. I think that was a huge step in my, in my stepping point um, for my career. And, you know, when I went to the Brooks Bandits camp that first um, in the spring after after that season, um, I had a great camp there and and ended up that they told me that they wanted me back in the fall. And I showed up there at the fall camp and had billets lined up and my billets were unbelievable. I couldn't ask for, you know, a better billet family and uh, was there for two years and they I was part of their family. Right. So that was a cool relationship that I had there. And, and, uh, I'll always, I, you know, I still have lots of good friends from the town of Brooks and, uh, you know, buddies that I still keep in touch with from Brooks and played with there. So it's, uh, it was, you know, that was the stepping stone for me is like, when did like going from agency and all of a sudden going to juniors and it was like, well, can I really play this kind of thing? And then I'm like, after that, you know, after my second year kind of in, or my first year in Brooks, um, you know, I did have some, some opportunities to go and try out for a dub team. And I just, I was at the point where I started to talk to a few schools after my first year already and figured that, you know, Hey, if I can, if I can go away and play four years of school and, and, uh, you know, play four more years of hockey, yeah. that's, you know, and get us, get an education. That was kind of my goal. And it kind of just snowballed from there. So how, like you would have been one of the smaller players on a team at some point, And then all of a sudden you're way over six feet and it's like, Oh man, like this package from a scout's perspective has totally changed. Yeah. So I, I was small um, until like my, you know, kind of midget kind of thing. I was, I was probably only like five, eight, five, nine, not even five, six. I went from, I went one summer, I remember from Bantam to midget or something. Then I went like four skate sizes or three skate sizes. <laughs> right. And so it was, um, you know, I did have a growth spurt in there right, right before mid or my, I can't remember if it's my last year Bantam or first year midget, but it was, um, had that growth spurt and, you know, like I said, was a, was a later, later bloomer kind of thing. Wasn't on the radar early as a younger kid, but you know, I would, you know, it's not, not the typical route, but I wouldn't change it for anything. Right. Like it's, it worked out for me and it doesn't happen very often, but at the end of the day, I wouldn't change it. Yeah. So you're like, geez, I don't know if I can make it in junior. And then you got colleges all over you year two. What options were you looking at? And you end up picking another unique route, not only an expansion team in junior A, but then up to Alaska, one of the two collegiate teams in that state for NCAA hockey. Yeah. So when I, my, I think my biggest determinant factor when I did decide to go to up to Anchorage rather than somewhere else was I had a great relationship with the guy that recruited me and the assistant coach up in Anchorage. Um, Jack Kowal's his name. He's still up there. Was in a you know former played up there with university. Then came on as came on as a as an assistant coach. And you know between him and John Hill was the head coach there at the time. And the two of them, I just had that 
had that, you know, when you get a feeling, you have a good feeling with the coach that wants to work with you and, and that kind of thing. So I, my relationship just built with them guys. And like I said, for me, you know, besides being in Brooks for a couple of years with an actual real coach, like a, a professional coach kind of thing, yep. um, or an experienced coach, um, for me to go up to them guys and, you know, the, the patience they had with me too, just teaching, like I was a centerman all through, um, pretty much all through minor hockey kind of thing. And even in juniors, I was a centerman. And then when I got to college and, uh, they wanted me to try the wing out because it's the big ice and I had lots of speed. So they're like, you know, with the Olympic size ice and half the schools we did play against, um, they wanted to try me out on the wing. So I ended up going to the wing and, uh, they just, they worked with me. And our first year in Anchorage, we, we, uh, I think we only won three or four games my whole first year, um, as a, as a freshman. And then our sophomore year was, uh, um, the first time that our team, uh, um, so we were, you know, lower in the standings. We went into, um, in the playoffs, we ended up matching up against Wisconsin in the playoffs where they had guys like Rennie Bork and all them guys back then and had a, um, Suter and them guys, they had, a, they had a great team and they were, they were nationally ranked to win the, na I think they won the national championship that year. And we went in there and, um, ended up knocking them off in a three game series, um, in Wisconsin. And then we, um, got our first berth into the WCHA final five back then. So, for me, that was, you know, that was a kind of a pivotal point. Um, ended up knocking them guys off, going to the final five, had a great final five. And, um, you know, it's kind of right after the final five is when, um, or during the final five, that's kind of when my advisor at the time uh, reached out and said that there was some, some interest in some teams. And if I'd ever thought about leaving school <laughs> and, uh, it was kind of a shocker to me, right? Like we were, we left, we left, uh, um, the WCHA final five, um, in Minneapolis, we, so we had a play in game, you had to get a play in game in order to get into the final, like the four. So we had a play in game against, uh, I believe it was Colorado college the first and, uh, ended up beating them. So we got into the actual tournament cause there was that one play in game yep. and, uh, you know, had a great tournament, but we were left the tournament, um, came back and we were on uh, spring break back home, uh, up in Anchorage and, uh, had the spring break. So we got home, the season was over. So we were out celebrating and partying and, and that kind of thing. And, um, I remember waking up the one morning, my phone was going off non-hook and I kept slapping it kind of hung over and, and, uh, not today, yeah, Stop it. but it was by the time I got my phone, I had a bunch of messages and it was my advisor at the time. And he said, uh, I got some off, I got five teams that are interested right now and being a UFA kind of thing. It was uh, almost like a bidding war kind of thing. So it was a really cool experience. And he's like, just, he's like, is this something that you want to, are you interested in finish your four years of school or are you wanting to leave college? And I said, well, I got to make some calls, talk to my coach, talk to my parents, that kind of thing, try to figure it out. And, you know, I went to my head coach and assistant coach that I, you know, had that great relationship with and just asked him, I was like, you know, what's your thoughts on this? They're like, Hey, you never know what happens. Um, you could get hurt next year. You could, whatever, if, you know, if your contract's good and you gotta, um, you know, you can always come back and go to school. Yeah. Right. Um, but you have to take that opportunity and jump in that opportunity where you can. So, um, yeah, the next day did decided, uh, kind of had that day to decide. And the next day I was on a flight heading down to Cincinnati, Ohio to play in the, play in the American league playoffs with, uh, uh, Anaheim's firm team. So it was kind of a roller coaster for me, like two years, two years, midget C two years of the bandits, two years in college, and then signed my first deal. The third annual Honda and Acura show and shine is coming to village Honda. Save the date, August 26th, a Saturday as the finest Hondas and Acuras in the city will be on display. Family friendly and no charge for spectators either. If you want to register your vehicle, it's only 10 bucks. Love it. Visit Village Honda for more information and to register if you want to get your car in there. You can also RSVP all at villagehonda.com and proceeds go to the amazing Subi Foundation. And a reminder, they do have new in-stock inventory on the ground. 
Start your automotive adventures at Village Honda, where new vehicle pricing is MSRP. Get a trip voucher for two to Las Vegas when you sell Village Honda your car. All makes, all models, appraisals are complimentary and no obligation. Make money today by selling your car to Village Honda and saving yourself the hassle of selling privately. Located in the Northwest Auto Mall, villagehonda.com. Did you know that Village Honda has a huge selection of used vehicles? All makes, all models, and for all budgets. With over 70 on-site and access to over 400 more vehicles in their dealer group, make Village Honda your one-stop automotive destination in Calgary. They're definitely worth the trip. Village Honda in the Northwest Auto Mall. The Hearing Loss Clinic has been helping change people's lives for the better since 1993. At the Hearing Loss Clinic, it's never been about hearing impairment. It's been about empowering you to be socially active, more connected with those around you, and confident in every aspect of your life. People of any age can suffer from hearing loss, and studies have shown that serious health risks have been linked to untreated hearing loss. They have nine locations to serve you, four in the city of Calgary. Make a healthy choice and book an evaluation today at hearingloss.ca. And so... <laughs> slow down a little because there's lots of good stuff yep. in there you're the first player from brooks to make it to the nhl when you do eventually down the road you're part of a team that now is considered one of the top few programs in junior a in the country do you, is there a sense of pride when you see you know a guy like kale mccard going through brooks and becoming a star and now it's just not uncommon at all to see guys from brooks get drafted go to the nhl i mean that was something you helped build yeah, you know what? That they've done a great job. Brooks is a great city and a great junior town. They have great community support, and like I said, they're a hotspot. You know, any any kid that pretty much gets recruited to go there, they're they're wanting to go there. Yeah. And there's not many guys with their team don't get a, you know, don't get a scholarship offer or something like that, right? So it's uh, you know, they've like I said, Brooks was great to me. It was a great town, and you know, it's it's a small town, right? But they do get that, you know, they got great transport, and it's uh. You know what they're doing. What they're doing there is unbelievable, and you know, it's they're getting kids from all over the place. Um, do I agree completely with that? They only might have one or two or three Alberta kids on the whole team. Not really. Um, you know, I think they should you know try to support some more local kids. But hey, that's that's part of the you know that's part of the business, and mm. hockey's a business. Like, and yeah. that's that's one thing that you you know you think when you're in it when you're playing that kind of thing. You're like, oh, it's just fun. It's kind of a sport. It's that kind of thing. But the business side is um, something that definitely I learned later on in my career. Uh, okay. Teammates in Brooks, anyone that stands out or maybe it was a coach or a guy you played against. Cause, uh, we're talking, geez, like I want to say late nineties, early double like yeah. who's in the AJ at that point. Cause you mentioned cameras, they were kind of a juggernaut in the, in the two thousands there, I had, but you would have been before the Joe Colburns and Mike Connolly's and those type guys were there. Uh, Alan York was a goalie there, but that would have been after you. Yeah. I'm trying to. It's a long time ago. My memory's yeah, maybe right. gotten hit in the head a few too many times, kind of thing. But um, you know what? I I I have a bunch of teammates that you know a lot of teammates that uh, you know I look back at too that I that I did play with that I'm surprised that they didn't ever get a shot. Right? Like um, you know, it's funny. I played rec hockey. Now I started my first year playing rec hockey, and uh, Mark Bomber's back. One guy that we you know I played with. He was you know obviously in Canmore. He like led the whole ahl and scoring title and set records in ahl right guys like that that i still play with today and i'm like man how'd that kid guy never <laughs> never get a shot right never yeah. make it right um but there's you know there's lots of guys like that you know through my era i'm trying to remember like uh, a lot of the big there wasn't back then coming out of the aj there wasn't a ton of guys that you know cracked out of the aj and and got in the nhl and i 
just off the top of my head, I can't really think of too many guys. What about when you get right to Alaska? Now? now you're playing WCHA, which, you know, college is realigned and there's new conferences now. But back then, that's a big dog conference. You got DU, you got CC, you mentioned Wisconsin. That's like 10,000 plus fans yep. every game. Like you're playing some big programs. It was. It was It was probably the, one of the best best divisions um, back then in Div 1 hockey. And, you know, for us, we'd, you know, going into these places, it was – like a reality shock we'd get 2500 fans 3000 fans maybe up in alaska on a good night whereas we go down go down uh you said minnesota uh, mankato um you know denver colorado college like these places and the atmosphere in them college college barns it's unreal <laughs> yeah. right we'd fly out out of anchorage on a wednesday and come back on sundays because we couldn't get flights back up so yeah. it was kind of cool we got to spend time most of us new guys on other teams um that kind of thing so we got to spend some time with the guys on the other teams and and uh you know that was that's one thing that you know got to see a lot of got to see a lot of different schools, a lot of different places. But um, yeah, it was it was it was a great experience. I up there, it's funny, but like there wasn't many guys that um, you know came out of you know with a couple goalies that played ended up playing some pro hockey up there. Um, a couple other forwards that did, but um, it's now Spencer Carberry. Yeah. Um, he was he was a freshman with me up there my our first year, and I played two years up there with him, and now he's the head coach of the Capitals. There you right. go. So, um, yeah. you know, there is some there is some hockey ties, um, hockey ties to Anchorage, and and uh, it was you know lots of guys too. They got like, why would you go to Anchorage? Why would, you know it's dark all the time, and and you're right up there. It's not really the but you know like I said, for me making that decision to go up there is a the coaches B was uh you know like the opportunity I had to be be a guy that could play big minutes and develop and that kind of thing. Yeah. So you know I. And if you're, if you like outdoors and you like being, you know, it's Anchorage is beautiful. So like, it's awesome place to live and, uh, you know, definitely enjoyed my time there. So there's two programs there. Anchorage is one. And you're, if I'm correct on the water, a little more like milder climate because you've got the ocean right yep. there. The other one's Fairbanks. That's inland. What's that rivalry like? And I think they also had an ECA, uh, HL team at the time, yep. the aces, uh, so like what, what was hockey like in Alaska when, when you went up there and played and, and were those sort of derby games or whatever you'd call it that rivalry across the state was that the biggest games or was it going into a big rink like wisconsin that got you wound up i think it was a mix but you know there was a uh, obviously a lot of pride in the they called it the governor's cup and the governor governor's cup is still going on up there they still have it um you know anchorage lost their hockey program for a couple of years and they did some fundraising the last couple of years and got it going again um they got a great booster club and they started getting their alumni going more of that kind of thing so they've done a great job to build the program back up and uh, the head coach up there now is uh, um, Matt Shasby. He was, uh, he was my captain of the team when I was up there. Oh, nice. So, um, you know, there's, there's still some ties, but I haven't been up there for quite a few years. Um, last time I was up there, they, I got, when I got inducted into the, into the sports hall of fame up there at the school. So it's been quite a few years since I've been up there, but it's, um, I don't know, it's, it's one of them, one of them places where, you know, it's, I'd like to go back again because it is, it is on the coast. Fairbanks, on the other hand, it's cold. It's, it's inland. Cold. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, minus, minus 40 on a, you know, as a typical, um, temperature in the, in the wintertime is, you know, pretty much there for like three or four months. So it's, it's cold. Um, Anchorage, you know, the gov the governor's cup was, uh, we, we played, um, you know, played a series with them over the year and had the governor's cup trophy, that kind of thing. So it was, uh, it was definitely one of our bigger, bigger rivalries, but at the same time for us too, like we, we're a team that, you know, everyone obviously in our WCG being such a powerhouse division, they kind of took us as the underdog all the time. So yeah. it's us for us to go in there, especially my second year when we started to get some progress and winning some games and, and uh, you know, built that team and got that team going. It was, it was a ton of fun and I enjoyed it. And you're, you're operating like a pro team. Like this is, this is still sort of that age where there's a lot of guys that could be playing junior still and you're flying in and out. You're leaving on Wednesday, coming back on Sunday. I mean, that's 
pretty much like pro vibes. You're flying everywhere. You're not riding buses. There's, nope, there's no bus no rides. You're flying everywhere. That's kind of cool. Yeah. So we typically would, we typically would, um, so we'd have, uh, our, our schedule up there. We had a 6 a.m. practice usually on Wednesday mornings, jump on the plane, fly down to Minneapolis or, or Denver kind of thing, and then bus out from there. So, um, you know, like I said, we, we played against, uh, you know, um, um, North Dakota, like sure. when they first had the new Ralph Ingolstadt arena yeah. there, right? Like when, um, yeah, I don't know. If, I can't remember if I played against Calm or not. I think he might have. He said he me. left before the new rink, so you would have yeah. just missed him if you were playing. So the I new just rink. just yeah. got in the new rink. So actually, Johnny Taze was there, and, sure. and uh, Matt Green, a lot of them guys. Like yeah. Matt Green in college hockey, he reminded me of Chris Pronger in, <laughs> in the NHL, right? Like he, he went to the front of that, and you got the stick, and and uh, you know he always had a tough night going into the Ingolstadt Arena, and uh, but it was it was cool. It was great experience. Like I said, I got to see a lot of territory, a lot of country, and uh, yeah, ended up working out for me. Well, and, you, and Tim's only there one year, if I'm correct. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was one and done, I think second overall, right to Chicago, and then part of that dynasty. What did he look like in college? Because he wouldn't have been one of the older guys, but the skill would have had to have been through the roof for him to do that at, what, age 17? Yeah, he was, you know, he's probably one of the best two-way players that will ever play the game, right? And uh, have a lot of respect, you know, even, even at that age, like he – and obviously if he's only in college for one year, um, yeah. there's, they're seeing something. Right. And, uh, you know, for him, yeah, I was, I don't really too much playing against him, but I just know, you know, remember glimpses of him. They're like when we came in, like, Oh, this young kid. Right. Um, but yeah, he definitely was, uh, you know, he was definitely growing out of the league that, you know, had such a young age and look at the career he had. Call Peter Klein at McLeod law at 403-254-3864 or go online at McLeod-law.com. You can also find them on social media at McLeod Law LLP. You know Peter Klein at McLeod Law, personal injury guy, but also he's the go-to guy in the city for your disability insurance claims. If your long-term disability insurance company is refusing to pay insurance benefits to you, contact Peter. He's going to help you out. He'll get you the disability benefits you paid for and you deserve. He'll get you your peace of mind back, the peace of mind you paid for. It's time to discover or rediscover the legendary St. Eugene Golf Resort and Casino. Planning a golf trip, a romantic getaway, or maybe just some tranquility away from the city, St. Eugene is the answer. Hotel, championship golf course, casino, spa, restaurants, all of it nestled in the spectacular Rocky Mountains and just minutes outside of Cranbrook, BC. Visit their website, steugene.ca, and experience the history and heritage of the St. Eugene Golf Resort and Casino. Okay, so let's move along. Uh, highly coveted free agent after your WCHA tournament. Uh, you said five different teams. At that point, okay, uh, what's the process like where you're like, geez, I didn't even really think a ton about this, and now there's five different organizations. You know, there's five different coaches. There's five different minor league teams to look at. Like, how do you sift through is it like, where's my chance to play? Were the contracts totally different? Or are you just like, hey, like you're my advisor slash agent. This is why you make the money. Help me here. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. Like you have to put your trust in your advisor at the time. Um, you know, obviously it started out, you know, the first contract came in and and it was there. He's like, well, I we got this offer, first contract. But like I said, we got lots of teams that are interested. And it was almost, it was kind of cool. It's almost like a, like a auction sale, like a bidding war kind of auction, thing. Auction, and uh, so it was, it was a neat process and it, it dragged out over, you know, a day and a, kind of a day, day and a half kind of thing before I ended up taking off. But it was, um, I just kind of left that in my agent hands and said like, no, this is, this is what you do, right? Like yeah. I'm, I'm a college kid that's just getting a shot here. And, and this is all so surreal, right? Like, yeah. Who, you know, I'm actually going to sign an NHL deal or, you know, that kind of thing. Right. So you just yeah. kind of leave it in their hands and, 
and let it all fall out. So it was, uh, I was lucky enough that uh, ended up going to Anaheim and, and uh, yeah, it was great. You know, I, I was, you know, a couple summer camps in Anaheim kind of thing is um, obviously the, the lockout year, the 0304 lockout year kind of uh, um, did a little damp or, it was kind of, that was my first year, first full year this yep. next year. So we had a lot of guys come down from Anaheim at the time. Okay. Um, that played Would have been a really good it was the, AHL team. I looked at the Cincinnati roster. I'm like, geez, there's a lot of guys. And they like, and oh, that's why it was the lockout year. Yeah, <laughs> it was, it was unbelievable. Like uh, our roster and our team there, it was, we had a great team. We ended up losing the semifinals, I believe to Milwaukee at the time. And uh, yeah, it was, it was great experience for me, right? You're, it's different too, going from, you know, playing college and then, you know, playing with men. And, and the full schedule, not just the weekend games, yeah. right? So it was it was a little bit of a transition for me, but um, it was uh, you know I definitely like I said it's biggest thing for me is learn a lot. Like you know it's it's amazing how you know that's kind of when you start to realize the, the whole business side of it too, right? And like all right, you're if you're not playing, you can be replaced the next day. Like you yeah. know what I mean? That's kind of the scenario. And uh, but definitely um, enjoyed my time. You know, short stint. I only played a little bit in Anaheim, but short yeah. stint there. But. Well, and, and it's interesting because Cincinnati's not an AHL city any longer. It was a small window there, but the guys that went loved it. I know uh, you and I believe your wife was with you at that point too. Or no, not? she yeah. wasn't. Okay, um, so she hadn't visited Cincinnati. I remember people saying they really liked Cincinnati. But that was Columbus. When I was in Columbus, was Columbus. ended up coming there. Yeah, but. Okay. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Uh, Cincinnati, you know, I was just, I was just young. Um, but it was, you know, back, they, they, uh, the year we were in Cincinnati too, they had two, two teams. They had the East Coast team and the, no and our team. So we played at the old, we played at the old Cincinnati Gardens there, and then the East Coast team was playing downtown at the nice, nice, <laughs> nice rank downtown. But um, you know, it's you know what it's it was uh, for me. It, you know, that's my first full year playing pro, so you, you got to learn to grow up and take care of yourself, right? And that's a big transition for a lot of guys. So some of the names that would have been around there, do you remember? Because I know Corey Perry would have been maybe a year after you at that point. You might have crossed paths, but like anyone on an entry level in Anaheim was probably down there. So um, that year, like uh, Chris Kunitz yep. was um, there. Um, actually, Shane O'Brien. Um, we had Tony Martinson. Um, we had, I 
can go back at our roster. Like we had, we had so many, like that roster was stacked that year. Dan Bilesma was actually, okay. it was his last year. He kind of turned into a coach after that. Player kind coach. Of thing. <laughs> um, but we had, we had a, um, Joel step, um, um, Aaron Rome, Aaron Rome was my roommate. Um, Dustin Penner was there actually no too. Way. Yeah. Um, so we had, a yeah, we had, we had, a, we had a great group. Um, and you know, we should, we should, Ilya Brzgolov was our goalie. Breeze was there. So, that's right. That um, was the name. I was, I looked yeah. at the roster. And I'm like, Oh, there's some stories there. Yeah. Cause so, he was sort of known to be that, that wing night, not, but not in a bad way, just this super happy go lucky Russian yeah. guy that was kind of goofy. Like, yeah. is that how you remember? Oh, him? That's exactly how he was. Like just, I so said, super go lucky. Um, yep. Just a typical goalie for the most part. <laughs> yeah, a little off the beaten path. Yeah. So do you remember the other four teams that had offers in, or does it just like, hey, this was the best deal? I've lived in Brooks and Anchorage. Any NHL city is going to be a big city with bright lights compared to the places I've been. Like, just what's the best contract? Yeah, for sure. I a couple of the other ones, I, uh, New York was in on it. Uh, Minnesota was in on it. Um, I believe Toronto was in on it. And I want to say Dallas, maybe at the point at that time, but I can't remember. It was a long time ago. Yeah. So that's, um, that's there four was, of the five. Yeah. yeah. There was, uh, you know, it was, it, it just came down to at the end of the day, like Anaheim, I, we figured that there was a good opportunity there. Um, they had a good team coming up and, you know, Getzlaff and, well, right, Getzlaff and Perry were just drafted then too. So I figured yeah. it'd be a good opportunity, you know, them to play with them two players at one point. Jeez. And that was kind of my, my first two years of summer camp. That was my line. Um, <laughs> no way. Summer camp. It was awesome. Jeez. So um, got to play with them guys and then ended up playing with them my first NHL game too. So, um, you know, got to, got an opportunity to, excuse me, I bounced up and down kind of, th- or I was down in the minors for the most part after the, you know, after the lockout year, went down to the minors, moved to Portland, Maine yep. and uh, spent the season there. And, um, we actually got to the, <clears throat> got to the point where, you know, I was kind of, I was playing pretty much fourth line minutes that are not fourth line, but fourth line roll down there and, and, uh, just felt like it wasn't kind of getting the opportunity and, and there was lots of guys getting called up and called up and I had good numbers and that kind of thing. And my agents kept telling me, stay patient, stay patient kind of thing. And, um, you know, I was, it, my kind of determined factor when I, I went into the coach's office, um, after talking to my agent at one point and Kevin Deneen was actually our coach and, uh, he I just asked him, you know, why, why, are, why am I playing fourth line kind of thing? He's like, well, let's be honest. He goes, I see it's no more than a fourth liner in NHL. I want to play a fourth line minute. So you get to know how to play that role and play them, play that kind of thing, that kind of style. So. And did know, that make sense to you or was that an insult? It was kind of an, or I both. thought it was kind of an insult, but yeah. at the same time, it's, you know, I was always the kind of guy that played hard, um, you know, love, love hitting, playing physical, that kind of thing. So I had to learn how to stick up for myself and learn how to fight here and there. Right. And, and that kind of role. But um, I think, after kind of that conversation is when I talked to my agent, I was like, you know, I, I don't think this is the right spot for me. I'm not, I don't think I'm going to get a shot um, to get. And that's so maybe we look at um, asking for something different and it ended up, that's kind of how it worked out. I got called up for my, uh, for my first NHL game. It's funny. My parents, they, uh, they just flew to, we had a, like a week long homestand in Portland. And, and uh, so they came out, flew out to Portland, Maine for the, we just got to, we had, I, so I rented, we were renting a house um, on the beach in Portland, uh, Tim Brent and Aaron, uh, Ryan Shannon, and myself, the three of us and parents came out and we had an extra bedroom. So they came and stayed with us and we, they got in the night, the one night, uh, the night before our first game and went to Costco, loaded up, stocked the fridge and we're like, oh, parents are going to cook for us yeah. all for a week. We're set up. And then the next morning go to pregame skate. And then uh, I get called in the office and got called up. Um, that day so the boys were pumped they got a full fridge in Portland, <laughs> yeah, that's right. and, and uh and so mom and dad flew across the country then jumped on a plane flew to anaheim and and uh yeah i ended up playing my first game against colorado 
And that was a home game in Anaheim? Yeah, in Anaheim the next night. Yeah, real quick. Just like it was yep. wild. So there was no Western Division in the American League forever. And so you literally had teams like LA and Anaheim, San Jose, that are all on the Pacific Coast. And all their affiliates are in like Worcester, Manchester, yep. you know, Portland. Like you literally had to cross the continent for a call up and full travel like, day. And yeah. with a, leaving a full fridge behind, no less. Yeah. So so you you come in, you've probably traveled all day to get there. Yeah. Traveled all day to get there, went the next morning to the rink and and uh, did pregame skate and then went that night and ended up uh was my uh my second shift and uh my first shot on goal. I got a pass from Getzloff right in the slot and went top corner and Peter Budai. Come so on. it was kind of uh yeah, it, was a, awesome. it was a cool experience and and uh something I'll never forget, obviously having your have family there and I had my mom and dad were there and my my uncle aunt and uncle were there and and so it was uh it was a it was a cool experience, and then I was pumped because we were going on a Western Canadian road trip right now. Oh, there right? you go, Edmonton, Calgary, back to back two nights <laughs> later. So it's it was uh, kind of funny. We went to uh, you know obviously coming back to Edmonton. I'm pumped, and everyone obviously knew that I played my first game and heading back to Edmonton for the first uh, first time playing in Canada and coming home. And so friends, family, everyone just bought, everyone bought tickets. Again. Let's I don't go. know how many I don't know how many people that I knew that were at the game that game that game and ended up going for a warm up just high stepping in Edmonton and Rexall, right? Just excited to come back and play at home in front of friends and family and come in from warm up and uh, get the tap that you're not playing tonight. <laughs> so you so, score one goal, your first game, yeah. you're going home. It was it Babcock then this feels Babcock. Uh, did, did you I want to say pre Babcock. Cause I think he's no, around. Babs was, Babs was, Babs was there. I'm not sure if he was, I'm not sure if he was coaching. I can't remember. I'll pull it up. But yeah. either way, so so you get scratched in Edmonton. You yeah. only played one more game as a duck. Period. And then I came the next time we played in Anaheim. Or sorry, in Calgary. So you go Edmonton, Edmonton down to Calgary, Calgary. You get scratched. Then you play in Calgary. Yep. And that was your last game as a duck. Yep. So everyone, same thing. They missed the first game. Like, ah, oh, like he can't get scratched two nights in a row. <laughs> so everyone's coming down. Everyone's coming down to Calgary. Calgary. <laughs> yeah. So uh, came down to Calgary, had a good game. And uh, ended up uh, flying back after the game. And, and uh it was all-star break. So they weren't going to pay me. Go. They weren't going to pay me my NHL salary to go right. and hang out in California for That's fair. a few yeah. days. And so got uh, sent back down to Portland, Maine the next day. And uh, the day after the freeze, the roster freeze or whatever, um, got traded to Columbus. So, and so that it, it kind of in hindsight looks like, okay, you'd voiced displeasure. You wanted more than fourth line minutes in the American league. Maybe this organization isn't a fit. And they were deep at that time. That's a really competitive team. That's a tough roster to crack. They bring you up. They play with some stars. You score. Boom! It almost feels like a, a pump and dump. Where let's let's get this guy in a good spot, yep. and that'll help us facilitate a trade. Is that sort of how you saw things yeah, in was, hindsight? How it happened? You know, I I think it it, could, it worked out perfect, right? Like you know, it's Anaheim was deep that year, um, went deep in the playoffs, and and actually I think they won one. Was that the other one they cupped? Oh five was. Well, five or six was lockout. Oh four was Tampa, but the year before wasn't it? I think it was. Or it was oh six. I think they went to the final against yeah. uh, Ottawa. Yeah, correct. So that's it was or, right. That's kind of when that's that's the year it was you know um i ended up getting traded was that year so um obviously didn't get to get didn't get to kind of hang out in the cup run and that kind of thing but you know what for you know that's something that you're you know one of, one of your regrets right when you get dealt from a team and they go on and win the cup that's okay. the one thing but you know for me it was you know career wise for me it was a chance for me to get an opportunity and go and play right and uh having that shot to you know cracked lineup it was my last year on my entry-level deal right okay. so i needed to i need to go somewhere and, and jump into a you know more of a more of a role and try to get my feet wet in the league right outdoor dental is dentistry with no needles no drills and no stress 
Their Celea laser treatment is an excellent solution for people who experience dental phobia. In one to two minutes, you'll be relaxed, comfortable, pain-free, and back onto your day in minutes. Also, Outdoor Dental does snoring treatments. Two 15-minute sessions can increase the tension in the soft palate in the back of your throat, which reduces snoring. It's non-surgical and pain-free. Again, just two 15-minute treatments. Outdoor Dental does snoring treatments as well. Two 15-minute sessions can increase the tension of the soft palate, which reduces snoring. It's non-surgical and pain-free. Also at Outdoor Dental, dental implant treatment can be scary for many, confusing, expensive. They use cutting-edge dental technology to ensure you're happy, healthy, and you'll feel confident in your results. Check them out online. It's Dr. Jay Patel at Outdoor.Dental. Vita Nova is Calgary's lab-grown diamond specialist. They're the only store in Calgary that specializes exclusively in lab-grown diamonds. You know you're getting the largest selection of loose lab-grown diamonds and jewelry in the entire city. Savings from lab-grown diamonds can be as much as 80% off. Visit vinanova.com or check them out in their downtown showroom on the second level of Stephen Avenue Place. What is a lab-grown diamond? Well, lab-grown diamond, simply a diamond that's been grown in a lab. They have the same chemical composition and crystal structure as natural earth-mined diamonds. Due to its identical nature, lab-created diamonds have the same hardness, right refraction, and pretty much the same as a natural diamond. Only difference, they're lab-created and referred to as synthetic because they are chemically and physically the same, but are man-made. Be confident knowing you can save up to 80% compared to mine diamonds pretty much across the board. If you want a custom design done, Vina Nova can do that as well. Just give them a few weeks of heads up to complete your custom piece. Find out more at vinanova.com. So you go to Cl- you go to Columbus and are you full-time NHL or are you still doing the up and down with Columbus and so there? I got traded there. I got traded there the deadline. Um, um, got traded the deadline. I was up and down for the rest of that year. And, um, and then I was obviously a UFA or I was unrestricted again and ended up signing, um, ended up re- or sorry, that was my second year. Yeah. And that, so I had one more year left in my deal, yeah. but my third year, my entry level deal, I um, had to clear waivers to go down and ended up sticking the club in Columbus that year. Yeah. And so uh, your first fullish season in the first full season. So I pretty much, yeah, that was my first season, um, up until trade deadline. And then, uh, at trade deadline, uh, I ended up getting dealt to, uh, get traded to the Oilers. Wild. Yeah. And so here you are. You, you never got to play that game in Edmonton as the for your second career game. You had to wait till Calgary. And now you're playing in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Like you talk about coming home. That's as close as it gets for Provost Alberta. Yeah, I was pumped. Like uh I don't know. I don't it was that's something where, you know, growing up Provost most of the most of the most of my friends, most family in the town, like that's all over the country, right? So for me to come home and you know, being a small town kid from Alberta and get to play in Edmonton, um, you know, that was almost like a dream, right? Um and it was, you know, it's something that I, I, I actually love my time in Edmonton. We, when I got, when I got traded there, um, I got, I got traded for Nick Tarnstrom, um, at the deadline and, uh, we, we got there and we were almost mathematically out of the playoffs. Um, yeah. when I got traded there at the deadline, Jeez. it was a year after the Oilers went on the big run, uh, lost in the finals and they had some injury issues. Um, that kind of thing. Guys, um, Pisani, I believe got diagnosed that year with his Crohn's and colitis. Right. right. So yeah. there was. Um, Torres had blew his knee out. Like there was a lot of guys um, that were out of the lineup, and and I got a chance to get in there and play, and you know ended up playing on a you know um, playing on got on the fourth line there and played with um, Stortini and and Brodziak, <laughs> and I had um, you know there's sometimes when you get traded to a team and you have that instant chemistry. I um, you know with Brodziak, I him and I you know had instant chemistry, right? And him being a right-handed shot and me and a left winger, it seemed like 
you know, I got the puck lots, right? Going to speed. Yeah. And, you know, that's the same thing. Like one of my, you know, I always love playing with the right-hand centerman. Like when I played with Connie here in Calgary, sure. right? It's just somewhere if you can get going to speed down the wall and they can find you, right? And we, we ended up going on a run. And we, I think we only missed the playoffs that year by f- three or four points kind of thing. Um, we went on a run there and it was, it was a blast. So you're almost mathematically out and then you go in this heater after the deadline and you make it respectable. Yeah. And I know from being in Calgary at that time, like, Jesus, who's this Glenn cross prick? Like he's big, he can skate, he's scoring. Like it's not a lot of NHL games, but he looks like a player. Like crap. Edmonton's got another player. And then you're a free agent that summer. And how in the world do they not bring you back after the, that incredible finish to the season? So we, you know, I, I was wanting to stay in Edmonton. They they called us right after the season, talked to my agent and said that um, they wanted to bring me back, but um, they were they were tight on cap space. They want or they wanted to keep as much cap space as they could. Um, I believe Hosa was a free agent that year, oh, yeah. and they were wanting to make a push to try to bring Hosa in. So they'd offer me a deal. Um, um, it was wasn't very much, and um, I just said I was going to hold out to free agency. And and uh, we called them again at um, you know right before on the morning of trade or um, free agency July first, and and they. Uh, Asked if we were interested in, uh, you know, still sign, or we asked if they wanted to do any negotiating on this deal, kind of thing. And they're like, "No, we got to keep our keep all our money." Deal's kind of the thing. deal. So Take it or leave it. It was uh, ten after ten, kind of free agencies at ten o'clock on July first, and we had a call from Daryl Sutter, and uh, he wanted to sign me up in Calgary right away. So, I think it was three years he gave. You. Yeah, give so me three years. That wouldn't have been what Edmonton was offering for sure. Offer, Edmonton offered me a three-year deal, but okay. it was a minimum, just like, lower money, just l- way lower money. And okay. uh, so when Daryl called me, and and uh, it didn't take long for us to. Um, get a deal signed I think a couple hours later we had a deal signed and ended up uh i was actually in pinoca at the pinoca stampede and, <laughs> and uh, i had to get my buddy ray carado that races the chuck wagon yeah uh, had to get i was like we was doing chores and kind of thing and getting ready for his nap and getting prepped for the race and that kind of thing and i was like hey i need you to come to the roadie office with me i need to sign this contract and get this contract i need a witness and you need to come <laughs> sign a contract with me and all this stuff so it was kind of a cool uh you know, cool story that we had to, back then. It was wasn't scanners or you know email kind of sure, thing. Sure, yeah, your sign had to go find a fax machine and hard sign it and send it back. So it was, uh, yeah, pretty cool. Daryl wasn't going to let a, <laughs> a a good country boy from Alberta slide through his fingers. Like, and and you stepped in when that team was you know a pretty legitimate contender. I looked, it's like Lankow, Fanuf, Aginla, Conroy, Camilleri. I mean, Adrian O'Coin was there your first year. You still got Mika in his prime, like. That, yeah, of course. I mean, just Sarge. off the top of my head, like we the, had a if Sarich would have arrived in after the lockout, like that's you're not just going to a place that's giving you money. Like this is a contender in a sense. It was, and you know, and having obviously having Kipper as our goalie, like you know, I I look back now at my you know my seven years here in Calgary, and I'm like, I don't understand how we didn't make more of a push in the years I was here. Like we we had such good teams, and and it's you know, I don't I don't know how yeah you know, how it kind of how we fell through the cracks. Right. And didn't quite get there. And, uh, you know, it's disappointing because you look back, like you said, you look back at our rosters that we had and on paper, we should be, we should be a contending team and we should be, you know, a big win the division, team. win a couple yeah. of rounds that, that should have happened once or twice, yeah. but after Oh three Oh four lockout, then the year the Oilers go to the final, like it just, it felt like you were in these series where you could have, should have, would have, but it never happened. Yeah. It was tough. It was, uh, Yeah definitely a disappointment because like I said, we had such a good team and yeah, just didn't, didn't work. So I'm looking, you're basically around the 70 game mark before you arrive in Calgary. It's 418 regular season games in Calgary. This is your NHL home. This was the organization that people, when you say their name, they picture you in this Jersey. Uh, what was it like 
because it isn't far from home. And for a guy that has a family in the livestock and industry and is hanging out with chuck wagon racers, like you're home of the Calgary Stampede, you're still in Alberta. That that's that's pretty special to be able to. Maybe it's not the hometown team, but damn, it's close. You know what? I I was so so fortunate and so blessed that I did get to play here in Calgary for seven years. Like there's not a lot of guys that get to stay in one spot um, that long. Right? Yeah. Um, and for me, you know, like I said, I'm playing in front of friends and family every night. I, there was something about me playing in a Canadian market that I also, and having friends and family around that, that was a drive for me. Right. And, you know, it's, I look at my time here in Calgary, I, you know, I had some injury issues, that kind of thing for quite a few years. And, and, you know, you know, I, I look at, you know, part of my career and, you know, some of the best years I was having, I did get injury issues and I credit a lot of my, a lot of my, um, you know, my best seasons and guy that turned me into more of a, you know, lot taught me so much and, and kind of took me over that next step in my career was, um, you know, Brent Sutter when he was a coach here in Calgary, you know, I have a ton of respect for him and still to this day is my favorite coach that I ever had. Another son. And it's, and it's, <laughs> you know, I, I have that relationship with Brent and I, you know, it's, he, you know, something about being a coach, just like having a boss, you want, it's, I, I love being straight up. Like if there's an issue, come to me, come talk to me, let's work it out. Let's that kind of thing. Right. And, you know, there was, I, I had the relationship with Brent and, and uh, you know, there was, there was a time where, you know, um, when Brent was here, which kind of turned my career around is there was, a, there was a time where I was getting ripped on nonstop and was on video for like a month straight. And, practice got blown down um Glenn, you're doing this wrong and i had yeah like all over me and you know he blew down on a practice one time and i'll never forget it. it was like a pivotal point in my in my career that um we were kind of in a slump here in calgary and uh i we were doing a just a flow drill kind of thing in practice and i didn't stop in front of the net kind of thing and he blew it down called everyone to center ice and <clears throat> put everyone around the circle and made me jump up and skate the center circle and and you might remember this it was it was uh quite a, quite a few years ago, but skate in the circle. And I was, so I ended up starting to see it in the circle around and around and around. And then he uh, blew the whistle and I kind of did a quick little U-turn, come back to him. And then he made me go start. All right, all right, now skate the other way. Started me going around the circle the other way and skated, skated, Jeez. skated. And then I stopped and I was tired, obviously, because yep. I'd done about 25 laps around the circle <laughs> sure. both ways. And uh, he's, and he just called me out. He's like, know different words but that's your problem that's this is this team's problem you guys are all swooping and turning you're not stopping in front of that you're not playing the right way and he pretty much said kicked everyone off the ice like get out of here so it's like finish and, the shift no shortcuts that was the message to everyone yeah. and you happen to be the guy that yeah. had to get yelled and at to get the point across i went home and i was i was to my wife i was like i can't do nothing like like i was on a stretch there for two or three weeks i couldn't do nothing right for him i was um just baffled and my mind was playing mind like the game is so mental right yeah and playing mind games on myself and and uh so i went home and tanya's like well why don't you go in and talk to him so i went in and talked to him and uh he just i walk in his office the next one i went in early in his office and he's sitting there pretty much sitting at his desk and just laughing at me kind of thing and he just said, I was wondering how long it's going to take you to come talk to me. Yeah. He's like, I see you as, he pretty much told me, he's like, I see you as my kid on this team. I want to use you. I, you're, you're gritty. You're hard nosed. You want to work hard. You'll do what, do what you're told to do. But I want to see you. If I, if guys see that I'm ripping on you and being that kind of guy to you, it makes them kind of step up and, and uh, know that they're next and, you know, they better get their shit together pretty much. Right. Yeah. So um, it was, but I remember that morning when I woke up and I was going into Brent's office, I was like, I think the Calgary sun back then it was like the heading heading on the sports section. I was like, Glenn cross Sutter's whipping boy or something like that. And I was <laughs> like, Oh boy, like, where are we going here? <laughs> but you know what? I, I credit Brent and I, you know, it was a, like I said, a pivotal point in my career where it kind of gave me a reality check too. And just made me, you know, I was, I was hard on myself. I was a 
you know, everyone knew me as a flame. I wore my expression on my face. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't the kind of guy that really held it in. And, and that was just the way I played. I, I had the emotion, I had the drive and I wanted to win. And, and that's just kind of, you know, my mentality. And, um, you know, sometimes it got me in you know, a little bit of trouble here and there because I, did, I was an emotional guy. Right. But um, at the same point, it's, you know, that's, you know, that's my, that was my drive. Right. And so what happened to a, that team B your season and see the relationship with the coach after that? Cause you said it's a turning point. It's clearly one that you use that opportunity to make it for the better. And I, I, I believe that was the year that I had my, you know, I had, I think I had 26 goals that year kind of thing. And, and a short, shortened season, I didn't play the full season. I ended up hurting my knee and or my, it was either my knee or my ankle that year. And, okay. but it was probably one of my pivotal seasons where, you know, I ended up um, becoming an assistant captain of the flames that year too. And just, it was, uh, you know, that was, that was just a, I don't know. I, I always look back and that was a, you know, having a Brent and have, excuse me, having that relationship with him and having him, you know, spe- take that extra time, you know, even though it didn't seem like he was wanting to help me or seem like he was against me, but he was actually cared and wanted to, mm-hmm. wanted to, you know, see me succeed. Right. Hey guys, it's Pinder. Let's dive into some of the action on the Betway app. Women's World Cup, the Dutch, the Netherlands. The Orange, they're very good at soccer. The men, certainly. The women look very good in group play. Plus eight goal differential. Quite a bit more impressive than the Americans. Paying 12 to 1 to win the Women's World Cup? Yeah, take that $10 and turn it into 130 Love it. Let's go Orange, Aranje, Dutch, Holland, the Netherlands. It's all very confusing. Let's hope the Orange wins us some green. Hmm. Hey guys, that's part one of Curtis Glencross. Be sure to be back tomorrow. We'll have part two live from the Tower Studios. It's been fun doing these. You're going to love the rest of Glennie as he puts a bow on his career as a Calgary Flame and talks about family. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.